So, um, somebody, last time we were here, very passive-aggressively, said that I had to wear a collared shirt. <laughs> so... <laughs> I noticed you were wearing one tonight. <laughs> so here we are. And I didn't insist that you have to wear one. I just wanted to give you shit for not wearing one. Big difference. Big yeah, difference. well... Let's. I'm. I'm gonna act like it didn't bother me, and and I'll just let my actions speak for themselves. All right. What do I make fun of next time to manipulate him further? Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not getting like a dolphin's hat or something though. No, I wouldn't expect you to change your fandom. That would be silly. No, that would be silly. I mean, I've already wrote it out with the Browns this long. It shouldn't be a. Uh, <laughs> it would just be foolish at this point to change over. That's when you know you're at a breaking point. You've been following a team like the Browns, and then and then one random season, you're like, you know what? I'm done with them. Something's been festering for a lot longer, and probably something else in your life, too. <laughs> uh, as a Dolphins fan, I understand. So, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Two Dads Talking. What is this now? Is this seven? Six, I think. This seven. I don't know. We're going to do that thing again where we have to look. I'm not yeah. going to look this time. I want to say it's seven. I think you're right. Yeah, that sounds more right than, than six. I don't know. So I think we're gonna do we're gonna do a little bit a uh, little bit more topic ish again tonight. I'm excited. I'm I, like I said, I've always been excited about topics. There is a whole lot of Knob Creek to get through, so we're gonna have to we'll we'll have to get into this. And I'm working with I'm working with Sam Adams tonight because it is foosball night, it's, baby. It's a good choice. And by the way, that's not the audio changing as things go on. That's just the Knob Creek changing. <laughs> this is how committed I am to uh, to our three dozen listeners. I'm going to say we have three dozen by now. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, uh, it's, it's super ambitious. I'll take that. That's like it. that's like cult level. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. And, and I'm going to ride with that. So this is how, how dedicated <laughs> I am to my three dozen listeners here. Um, I am actively not watching the first night of football to record this podcast that's how much i love y'all and there's no other reason and there's no other reason it's not at all no nope, not no other reason at all that's it just that alone <laughs> yeah it's gonna it's gonna be so terrible i mean so tom dragged me into a fantasy league anyway even though i once we got out of round three i was like who the hell are these people <laughs> <laughs> oh it's his third year okay sure whatever so yeah my my goal is to not be dead last i don't know i, I feel pretty good about my team so I'm, I'm willing to bet i won't get dead last but famous last words yeah I'm, I'm playing for a championship i've got that really unhealthy competitive mindset where i just uh yeah i have to win it it is very unhealthy i mean you've already tr- You've already done draft trade, draft picks trades for two years from now or something. (laughs) You already did one. (laughs) Uh, Franchise. I traded somebody I got in the 10th round this year for an 8th round pick next year. I love it. uh, Yeah. And then I got to go pick up the player I really wanted that was still sitting available. (laughs) So it worked out perfect. (laughs) I actually wanted um, whatever his name was, the the guy who scored that that touchdown for Detroit. Amun Ra or whatever. Ra St. Brown? Yeah, that's my guy. I've got him in like six different leagues. I was looking at him because, again, I don't know anybody. I'm looking through some of the stats, just being trying to figure out who might be good and, and reading some bios. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'll take him. And he was another one, like two or three picks later. I had him and somebody else lined up. And I'm like, oh, there'll be it'll be a good like 10th round pick. <laughs> Both of the people went, oh, shit. Now what? Now I got to start reading other bios. And I only have a minute and a half. You got to do your homework. 90 second homework. That's why you got to do your homework before the draft. Well, and that's that's the problems. I haven't done any of that. I just that's why I wasn't even so uh, Tom texted me and said, Hey, 
gonna have to take a break from this game and i was like oh yeah the game's on <laughs> so that's how much homework i've done it's fun though it's glad i'm glad to be back in football season i usually can't watch every single game but i, I am gonna try to sit down for for as much of brown's gaming as possible i don't even care about football like college football so much anymore i'll yeah. watch it when i can and, and keep track of it but like if there's like a if i if i get to pick one thing that i want to try to devote some time to i'll sit down for the browns and i was so good gentlemen husbands i was such a good husband I had to skip a couple of games the last couple of years to the point where my wife has even said it was preseason. She was just like, you know what? You haven't watched a lot the last couple of years. You can you can go sit down for it. And I was like, no, honey, it's OK. It's just the preseason. I would love to go do X. Right. Credit, 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 credit for later. <laughs> you gotta put that in the bank. Yeah, it's like those public school teachers that rack up like 20 years of retirement and then they try to retire and they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay you. So that's probably what's going to happen to me. So so my situation, we were out to dinner this evening before an open house in my kid's school. And nice. uh, I just asked my wife, hey, hey, babe, what are you doing Sunday around like four o'clock, 4.30-ish? No she reason. Goes, and she goes, oh, I'm sitting on the couch watching the Dolphins with you. And I went, I win. Like, that's just great. Like, yeah. she knows. She knew. Yeah, my, yeah, I just felt good. That was a win. That's, that's, that's how you know life is good. That is that is life is good. If my wife said something similar to me, I would just assume that I'm going to be on Dateline <laughs> in about two years. It was a typical Sunday afternoon, beginning of NFL season. Sorry, guys. This week, Doug, it's one dad talking. I don't know what happened. Doug, to Doug. We haven't found the body yet. <laughs> minding his own business when all of a sudden and then like halfway through, they're like, well, that turns out there was no insurance policy. And then everyone would be like, wow, why did you kill him? And then by the end, they'll be like, of course she did. Can you believe that guy? It's always the wife. <laughs> it's always the wife. I already told her, I think I mentioned this before, that if she does decide to off me, I have high expectations. I don't want it to be just, you know, really unimaginative, like stabby stabby with a kitchen knife or, or a blown object or anything. Like it's got to be some sort of, like maybe she goes and steals the CIA's heart attack gun. Ooh. Just the stealing of it would be more impressive than I know, right? to kill you. Yeah. I mean, I'd be honored. Unless I'm the second victim, <laughs> then I'd just be pissed off. Second place is the first loser, and I'm still dead. <laughs> if you ever make it out this way or I ever make it out that way, I will tell you about the single most grisly murder scene that I ever worked and ever saw. I don't want to talk about it too much in the podcast, but um but yeah, was it awesome, was, bro. <laughs> it was it was not the spouse that did it. It was um it was a very young child. And it was the single really? most savage thing I've ever seen. And uh, I think I've told you a little bit about some of the savagery from Iraq and other law enforcement. This was the single most savage thing I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, you make it out this way or I get out there, we'll, we'll tell that story. And it's not always the spouse, really. Yeah, we'll get out there at some point. I'm uh, I'm trying to do the the test for the kind of like the, the test plunge again for the holsters, getting 100 out there. Yes. Um, I don't think I've actually mentioned it on the podcast. So uh Tom's plug that he'll make you a website and all that jazz. Um, that's actually how we met was I had this cockamimi business idea to create a new type of holster and uh, great had, idea. had known Senor Tomas here through other channels and knew that he did some digital marketing. So hit him up, got a website rolling and it's been years. My God, I was talking to uh, someone who's helping with, with some of the marketing now. And he was just like, well, if it makes you feel any better, we're working with someone and they've been working on it for 11 years for their product and they're not even launched yet. And that does not make me feel better actually at all. No, <laughs> Thanks for that. It's not a confidence <laughs> booster. <laughs> no. So when, when we're officially up and out there, I'll, I'll make a little plug for it. 
but the company is called Avid Company, and and hopefully we'll make a little something out of it. So it'll be fun. It's been a long time coming. It started in COVID, technically. It was October of 2020 when I first started typing up the idea to to oh. do the patent application. So wow, it's been a long yeah. time. 2020, God, I know. And we're coming back around. We've got masks coming back. We've got some, apparently, we've got a vaccine already for some new disease that they don't even know yet. If you're really down the, the conspiratorial rabbit hole, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year coming up. I'm it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Oh, well, on that happy note, um, so uh, in my newfound dedication to keeping things light on the story, not talking <laughs> about children murdering their Chrisley parents. Child murders. <laughs> Uh, the article Tune in I, next week. <laughs> the subject I wanted tonight was uh, was a pretty me subject, talking about dad jokes and how they're actually good. Um, the the article that caught my eye that I sent to Doug was published August thirty first on uh, theconversation.com. and it's uh, how dad jokes may prepare your kids for a lifetime of embarrassment, according to psychology. And aside from having a couple of first rate dad jokes within the article, which it did. Um, the article itself was great. If you are a dad like me who likes to make these dad jokes and you like to make cringy puns in front of your family, uh, you shouldn't feel bad about it. Turns out that there is a, uh, a belief that you know your children are actually a little bit embarrassed and you're crossing a boundary and a threshold when you do this sort of thing that makes them uncomfortable and that that helps prepare them for when more embarrassing situations happen later in life so they can better deal with it. And I thought that was a really, really interesting sort of take on, on dad jokes. But the real reason I love this article is because of the effort they put into defining what a dad joke was. And that uh, made me that so, so happy. It was it was cringy. I started reading it and I was like, oh no, this is someone who's <laughs> writing about dad jokes that doesn't actually really understand them. Yep. But but it was a lovely effort. I appreciate that they tried to define them. You know, dad joke isn't a pun, but it often is, is you know involved in a pun and it has a pun in it. And I, I I've got a lot of friends who think that all puns are dad jokes and all dad jokes are puns, and that's not always the case. But no, this article was oh, really so. fun, and it's it's one of those articles that will make you feel better about making dad jokes all the time if, if someone in your family is giving you crap. And I really, really love that it talks about using dad jokes as weaponized anti-humor. Like that was my favorite line in the whole thing. Like, yep, anytime I can weaponize a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So good read, fun read. If you're into dad jokes, do it. Um, I have been cracking puns and dad jokes since way before I was a dad. And it's it's sort of become an important part of, of me. It's become like my pressure relief. And after I make a good dad joke, I, I get that dopamine shot, I guess, in my brain. And I, I legitimately feel better after a good one, especially if it's fresh and I made it up on the spot and it, it, it really delivers. I feel really good when it doesn't resonate well, which is most of the time, you know, it's still, it's still that feeling and it still drives this sort of creative thought process, which is important to me as, as a writer and as someone who, you know, likes to do creative things with his life and hopes his children will, will foster that creative part of their brain. So dad jokes are great. Tell them, embarrass your kids and use them to set your kids up for success. So basically the entire article is a big dad joke because it starts out very lame. Here's what dad jokes are. Why are they so popular? Well, they usually do this. A lot of them are puns. Some people think puns are not funny. And then by the way, by the time you get through the article, you start realizing all the little nods and everything. So whoever wrote this actually did a good job. I actually do like this, though, as a topic, because like you said, that you've been telling dad jokes since before you were dad. I, too, have been a dad joke enthusiast long before any such existence occurred for me. And um, 
I mean, it got to the point where at work one time there were, there was a whole group of us. And by us, I mean, really, I kind of overheard it and came in and added two cents. But so, but some of the ladies at work were trying to figure out if there's a single indicator for a good man. And and they were talking about, you know, like they were doing everything from he works out to he has a good education to he works with children and all that. And the closest that anyone could ever completely agree on was dad jokes. If a guy likes telling dad jokes, then he's probably a good dude. Like they usually they usually don't end up like hitting anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I, I remember thinking that. And of course, I thought that I'm like, oh, me, I tell dad jokes. I must be a great guy. <laughs> Unmarried still. But that's beside the point. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking that like, wow, this is it does say something when the women are like, actually, this is a pretty good like litmus test for for just males in general. And and yeah, I, I think it's um I think the the level that they're trying to get you to in this article is to go even deeper. And and yes, you tell bad jokes. Yes, you embarrass your friends and your family and all your loved ones, and they can't believe they they signed up for anything with you. But really, it goes deeper because the guys that are doing this and embarrassing the family with the cringeworthy joke, they're also the ones that are jumping into those little short shorts to embarrass their teenage daughter or to go to the dance or do something stupid, you know, on the dance floor, do the, do the worm and end up knocking over a table. That's how you really set up your kids for success because then they have a good story at work. They realize that no matter what they do, they can never be as God awful as you are. And it's perfect. I agree on all levels. Dad jokes are amazing and you should be willing and able to execute them. And if you're not start practicing, because like Doug says, you can use this as a pickup line. Like, hey, have you ever met a guy who made dad jokes that wasn't a good guy? Come on, take me home. It'll work. You can get there. You can find that angle somewhere, I'm sure. If you can no. make a woman laugh. No, do not make do her... that. If you make her laugh, yes. But if you if you lead with that, just just go away. Alone. Alone. <laughs> yes, alone. Don't don't right, well, love her either. That'll that'll be misinterpreted. I brought a nice, positive, clean, lighthearted topic to the conversation tonight. What what does Doug want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Yeah, what's your subject tonight? Mine was We're not you know, getting into it. It's only clear and it's only been like five minutes. I was trying to find the thing in the in your in your in this dad joke article that that prompted something else. I think they, I mean, I was going to draw the connection that that it, it they talk about how it being a coping mechanism too. Oh, the one thing I did want to mention about this this article also was it, it's if you take it too literally, that can also go badly. So it's it's basically telling you like yes make fun of people yes be insufferable at times and in a nice way yeah it's it's basically like elaborate bullying if you just like razz people and have fun at their expense as long as you include yourself it's not bullying you got nothing else to say on that no no it was uh, was pretty simple as far as i was concerned okay because see that's the problem is i was hoping you had at least a little bit more because that's my tip my take was is done because my topic is much less wholesome (laughs) <laughs> oh pray tell oh yes pray tell what would doug like to talk about this evening so i saw it, it was a, it was a it, it's always on twitter just I, I i need to stop saying it on the podcast if i saw something on social media it was on it was twitter on x. Yeah. it was it, yeah or x excuse me yes the the x where someone was trying to say in so many words that sex scenes i'm just gonna pause and let that let that sit there for a second since we made the transition from dad jokes to sex scenes um, in movies are good and all and, and their their argument was in so many words was all you prudes out there you religious zealots who don't like them are that's what you are you're prudes and you don't get any or you don't know how to f- have fun and sex scenes are good in movies and all that stuff and 
it just kind of hit me. This is actually a good, I think, family topic. And I want to talk about sex scenes in movies. Should they even be there? Are they worthwhile? I think it's I think it's a good way to dovetail into a lot of issues nowadays. Um, my take is that they should be extremely minimal. Reason being is because the the one viewpoint is you know it's a natural thing people are emotional they're attracted to others blah 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 the only time sex is truly pivotal though in a plot line for me is when it's you know a porno otherwise yes you have the love interest yes you have you know someone wanting to do something for their their newfound lover or something like that but do i really need to see it really I, I, I much prefer the going onto the bed and then the fading out thing because we we all know what probably happened. You know, then it comes up to the morning after and they're all like, want to do brunch? And then you're like, okay, well, you definitely banged each other. That's that's just my my thought. And I'll let Tom take it in a second to carry mm-hmm. on. But I, I guess I am a prude in a way. I, I was the raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools. I was very inexperienced. Um, compared to my peers when it came to such activities. I was always a little bit weirded out by it and, and awkward around it, especially in movies. And and maybe that's part of the reason why I'm opposed to them. But it, to me, it's unnecessary. I'm, I'm a highly functional person. Like if I have something around and it serves no real purpose, it should just go in the trash. So maybe that's part of it too. But we all know it happens. Just I don't need to see it. It's supposed to be, I mean, the word is intimate. Intimate does not need to be on screen. I'll let you take it from here. So well, my, shower. my prudish Midwestern friend who is wearing a collar this week, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you can't see him, but he is wearing a collar this week. I'll Let pop it if you, don't, if you don't respect me. <laughs> um, I'm going to go the other route. And I am going to say that the more sex in Hollywood and cinema, the merrier. Um, I think it should be. Thank goodness a, you're a hoe. This I makes it should be a much in, better discussion. Right. I think we should work that into all of the movies that we possibly can. It is a natural and, a, and frequently occurring act amongst all of us, whether we want to think about it or not. And I think that children today who are who are watching movies, especially if they're watching them with their parents, you know, it it opens a door for the child to ask questions. If you're watching a movie with your kid and all of a sudden a sex scene kind of pops up, you know, it gives you a chance to. To really engage in that conversation with your child in a spontaneous and real way. And on that note, you know, so that the more, oh, I don't want to say abnormal because then I'm, I'm, shame, I'm, I'm shaming people. But, you know, the more unique it is if there's bondage involved or there's a little bit of choking involved or it's, you know, something a little different from, from strict heterosexual conservative love. I think it's probably a better opportunity to really get into it with your kid and you know, really kind of open doors into what, what the norms are and what can be expected, get them to really open up and ask questions they might not otherwise ask you. I think it's it's, it's a great opportunity and we should embrace this thing. And uh, when an opportunity like that presents itself, you know, you take it, you grasp it with both hands and you make the most of it. You know? Do not get into it with your kids. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> Uh, this is and see this is the problem I this is where I want to say I'm not approved because the whole time I'm sitting there thinking oh yeah it's a, it's a good time to bring up topics with your kids and I just hear my kid being like daddy are all of them that big like, no <laughs> absolutely not go to your room I don't want to talk about this anymore I'm not I'm not shamed at all 
No, my my real views fall much more in line with yours. I I had to go that route just to get just to say it, play with it a little bit. Well, but, but see, but that but that is the other side of it too, because I, I I do. This is this is the the part that that I struggle with as a parent, because there are so many things that even the three year old now she'll just ask something that she thinks is kind of innocuous, because we're waiting on our on our son to come, our third child. We're about a month away now, and you know, three year old the other day was just like. The baby's in mommy's belly. Yes. How? Yeah. And then the doctor will, will take him out and how will doctor take him out? And I'm like, should I like walked right into it. We, we can't explain this. You know, he can't even give the stork things. We're just like, so we kind of went shaman level. We're like, you know, magic. Like the doctor just knows. <laughs> I, I don't know. We just go into the doctor and then, and then the baby happens when, you know, I believe the fifth, I have no idea. <laughs> where's the men with where's the men with the guy in the glitter falling it's magic i know right right (laughs) just i need i needed the fade out (laughs) just come back the next day we all know we all know what happened and that's it again i don't know exactly how i'm gonna traverse this someday but especially being a father to daughters there's i feel like an extra layer of 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 male behavior (laughs) here we go let's just shoot from the hip the whole way I think women are much more emotional and I don't mean emotional in like a bad way. I mean, literally just you feel the emotions more. They, they dictate a little bit more of just your day to day. And that's not a bad thing. It's not because sometimes you need that extra oomph to get you to the drive to do something or, or not do something. And there are so many guys out there that are just even, even unknowingly trying to take advantage of that. And so having sex scenes or or other sort of things at least i don't want to say prominent but accessible or or at least underlying in in certain parts of society that that does bring up good conversations where where for me i feel like i can say hey they just met each other and also remember in the movie like the world's ending or something so it, this is this is not a typical scenario and there's going to be some some extra feelings there and by the way most guys are not like this guy there's a reason he's the hero of the movie or he's you know one of the one of the good guys of the movie who sacrifices himself because he is atypical so it does create good conversations and and we've seen what happens when you have a very niche church of some crazy christian sect where all the women have to wear jean skirts and all the guys have to wear collared shirts for their podcasts and they never i mean and they they even talk about like oh you know you're not allowed to use certain positions in sex because that's like the devil no we're we're not about that i mean that that's kind of dovetailing into a whole other thing but being raised catholic most people think catholics are a bunch of prudes and that's because you are well yeah but the problem is a lot of catholics are prudes but catholicism is not prudish you, you there is a whole um there's multiple letters um, and from cardinals and and even I think the the Pope John Paul when he wrote the whole was it the 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 letter that had Vitae in the name um, he he de- he devoted multiple pages to marriage relations and and it was not only for procreation it was procreation has to be allowed and that's what people forget is that Catholics don't say don't touch each other they don't say it's only for procreation they say make sure you're not literally 
fucking with the biological process. But they actually say it's important for husband and wife to have sexual relations. They even address the whole, like, you're infertile, but here's why sexual relations are good as a married couple. Catholics actually encourage that kind of behavior because in their minds, this is how we're designed. This is how we're made. God created the male and female. You know, oh, and, and how else would you came empower from your priests? I mean, you have to have that. You know, your priests are so right. sexually active there. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you know, they, they left out the, the don't touch little boys day of class. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was actually part of the part of the, the vows that they take is, to, again, uh, good priests. Let's just take that shortcut. Part of the reason they're supposed to remain celibate is because you're supposed to be entirely devoted to teaching the word and leading your flock and all that stuff. They are, in so many words, the church believes marriage slash relationships and all that human relationships are, if you're a priest, they're a distraction, or or at least they're like sort of a time suck. But I think that sort of speaks to what the church thinks of it. The church thinks that if you're married, then your number one earthly goal is your marriage, your family, your relationship with your spouse, because they put such an onus on being a husband and being a wife, be fertile and multiply women, be subservient to your husbands. And then the part that everyone likes to leave out and husbands love your wives. Like Christ loved the church, which every theologian says Christ died for the church. So you literally husbands, you have to put your life down for your wife, for your family. That's the biggest focus. So if you want to be a priest and preach the word, they actually think you actually shouldn't be married because you have obligations to your wife. And and that makes you less of a, it makes you potentially less of an effective priest, ironically. So that's why they really do it. At least that's that's what they tell me. I could be thoroughly brainwashed. It's perfectly possible. No, I I think that makes sense. I think it's, um, it's a lot like law enforcement and and even school teachers to a lesser degree. Like the, you, you, when you get a bad apple on that barrel, it's it's really really bad and it's a really really big deal and it's all people see and they forget that most of the apples in that barrel are good apples and they're doing the right thing most priests are not out there you know sexually assaulting altar boys and being shuffled around by the vatican and hidden you know, without consequence there well we're obviously some and there were obviously way more than i want to oh think my about god it was so bad yep yep and it's, it's definitely a big deal but it's it's not all the priests yeah it's, it's probably something important to keep in mind there just like it is with any other job, you're gonna have you're gonna have good people and bad people. Humans are humans, and uh, you're gonna have imperfect people everywhere you look because that's how we're made. And uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta admit they're gonna be there and exist. Um, on the bright side, they did provide lovely inspiration for my first stand-up appearance. I, I will have a um, a sexual priest raping a uh, a young boy joke in my uh, my stand-up comedy debut, September twenty first, Comics Roadhouse, Mohegan Sun Casino and Resort. Yeah, it made the cut. So I think it's going to be... Uh, I put it the... in my church bulletin. Hey, everybody. <laughs> you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> it's not going to be a nice joke. <laughs> come come out. <laughs> come on out. <laughs> no, I think... Yeah. Um, so sex in movies is... It's it's one of those things where... I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like Doug. I Ew. feel like if it's a gratuitous sex scene, if it's something that isn't adding something and isn't necessary, I'd rather not have it. My favorite movie of all time is Braveheart. Braveheart is, in my opinion, the single greatest movie that has ever been put together. And the sex scene in that movie, it just doesn't feel necessary. I already know that he loves her. I already know that he, you know, I, I already get this the complete dedication. And it was a very generic, very safe, like all you see are her breasts and then they kind of lay down off camera. And that's that's really about it. 
So it's as bland a sex scene as you can get. It's only there to sort of really show the furtherance of their relationship after their secret marriage. And, and I get it, but I don't think it needed to be there. And that one scene is, it means that, you know, and this is going to be a really awful statement about me as a dad, but when you really break it down and dig deeper, that one scene will delay me from watching that movie with my kids for quite a few years. You would think yeah, not, would be not the, the getting gutted by swords, and, and, right? <laughs> yeah. the, the, the quartering and the martyring of a hero and the, the bloody burning people alive and chopping them apart. Like you would think that's why I wouldn't watch that movie with my kids for, for years. None of that will phase me. I would watch that movie with my kids much sooner if, uh, if it didn't have that sex scene in it, but that sex scene, you know, it's, it's that, that'll probably give me some pause. Yeah, and it's it's um it's just interesting. It's yeah, that's my all time favorite movie. And I I aside from Star Wars movies, I can't think of anything I I am more excited to sit down with my kids and watch and be like, this is great. Let's watch it. I hope you're a fan. But I will wait. And it's because of the sex scene. And you know, I, I think of th- there was a time when uh, most of my family got together. So my parents divorced when I was young, and you know, I see my dad once a year for most of my life. He remarried. My mom remarried. He had two more kids. Um, I've got a really awesome half brother and half sister. They're just amazing people, and I yeah, they're they're great people. But I don't get to see them very often. Um, there was a summer where we all went to my dad's and kind of it was almost like a reunion. Um, we got to go there, and my sister was there. And my my dad loves movies, loves loves movies, um, especially old westerns. But he loves movies, and so he said, "Well, go rent a movie, and we'll get some pizzas, and we'll sit upstairs in the entertainment room, and." We'll all spread out on the couch in the floor, and we'll just all watch a movie as a family. Like, it's great. Let's do it. He didn't pick the movie. He didn't screen the movie. He didn't ask. And my sister, who is um, very bold and is more like me than I think she realizes somehow, despite my, my influence not being present in her life during her formative years, she got the hangover too. So we sit <laughs> down on the couch with my dad. And we're watching, you know, family time. The first time the whole family's been together in many years. And uh, and we're watching a monkey lick what we think is a nipple and turns out to be something else. And like he's watching this with his daughter and children. And my father is a born again Christian and he's very conservative. You could feel the embarrassment and the discomfort like rolling off of him. It could have been an eclipse. I mean, it could have blocked the sun. It was crazy how uncomfortable he was. Sounds and like we someone all needed of, to prepare him yeah, with more dad We jokes. all shot each other side <laughs> glances and chuckled and laughed and thought it was funny. But uh, but oh, my poor dad. And I, I think about that and I'm like, that's a movie where it makes sense to me. Those are the kinds of movies where the sex scenes make sense because they're usually comical. And it's something that's adding. The movie might not work as well without it. American Pie. Where would that movie be without the goofy sex scenes and the errors and the mistakes? Like there are places where it totally makes sense and it it, it should exist and it should happen. But I feel like that's the only place those scenes should live in movies. And otherwise, I'm kind of in Doug's opinion. I, I don't need to see the details. I don't need to see the intimacy. I don't need to see in a Marvel movie like a graphic sex scene. As much as I may want to see one with, you know, Scarlett Johansson reverse interrogating someone, you know, in a nuptial bed in black lingerie before she kills them. You know, as much as I may want to see that, it doesn't belong in a movie. And that's just kind of, I feel a lot like you do. Yes, it's... It's one of those things where I don't want my kids to be shut down and stigmatized into thinking sex is bad and we can't talk about it. I, I want to be aware that you know sex is going to be something my kids are aware of way before I realize. My mom was a single mom with two kids, and she had no problem having to talk with me and, and essentially told me, hey, you know, when you decide it's time, use a condom and be safe and be smart and make sure it's someone you care about. 
And that was most of my sex talk. I have a lot of friends whose parents were incapable of telling them that much. And so I, I, I kind of, I want to be able to be open with my kids. And I feel like if I say sex does not belong in movies, then I'm jumping on the other side of the fence. But I, I agree. It's, if it doesn't add to the movie, then I don't want it there. Just bottom line. Yeah. So, I mean, case where it makes sense, 40-year-old virgin. Yes. Which you'll note, there was no actual nudity in those scenes, though. It was risque, you know, but but no real nudity. I mean, I, one of my high school friends, she uh, she was telling me one time about how she went to see 300 in the theater when it first came out. She's all excited about it, you know, because like a bunch of sexy guys, super ripped, like action movies. She's kind of action movies. And her mom was like, oh, you know. I think I actually heard about that. I was kind of curious about it. She goes, sure, mom, why not? Let's have a mother daughter date. And she tells me about then the sex scene came up with, with yeah. before the, the, they're leaving. Yeah. And she just said she, it was the worst. She wanted to like <laughs> shrink into a ball and crawl out of the theater and never see her mom again. And, and that scene was one of those ones where it was, I, I can't even remember really. I haven't seen it in a while, but I want to say the first like one or two shots were, they were definitely showing them doing it, but it wasn't like featuring the nudity. And that wasn't so bad. But then then they go like the, the last two shots are like, okay, we actually didn't really need those. And now you're really just leaning into it. And, and I mean, that's why they do it. I mean, that's why they did it in Braveheart, sex sells. So, I mean, you know, they, they could have done, I think, an equally passionate scene without showing the boobies. But people it gets people attention. So they they do that. I mean, that, that I, I will say that that's why I wanted to talk about this was because there are scenes like 40-Year-Old Virgin or Hangover where it makes sense. There are scenes in 300 where just take off that last scene or two. And now it's like you you have the the married couple that are madly in love, but there's like this duty thing that they're both bound to that's beyond them. And they're like, they're really leaning into their last, like probably night together. And to me, that that kind of added to the characters a little bit, that scene, until you got to those last, like, two shots where it's like, okay, this has been going on, like, way too long. Now you're just trying to, like, you know, the director has a thing for for one of them. I'm not going to say which one because you never know. It is 2023. And then you have movies like Watchmen. Do you remember? Do you see that movie? Yep. I like remember Watchmen. that sex scene? I remember dude just hanging dogs. Dude, like, that wow. sex scene was awful. It was horribly unnecessary that was definitely one of the ones where they should have just had to like rip and close off and then just fade out and it was just it took forever i mean we know he didn't actually last that long there's no way i mean it, it, it was every single shot even the shots were bad it was it was almost like you're sitting there in the chair and you're like oh my god like it's it's like in my face like i don't want to be here right now not something to watch with 3d glasses that's that's not mm. one of those movies you want to watch oh my god it was yeah. so it was so awful uh I, I i liked the movie until that scene and honestly if you get zapped into like another dimension of being and you're you know mr universe but glowy it probably would not enhance your junk I mean, I feel like it would get. He's supposed to be Mister Functional, right? He's like perfect, I'm gonna. Yeah. He's, he's supposed per- to be the perfect, the perfect, perfect being, the perfect being. Well, then either it had to be way bigger, comically bigger, like like the end of the world comedy with all of them bigger, or it had to be virtually non-existent. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you can't just go have these. <laughs> 
Doug's penis envy Doug, of a Doug fictional thinks, character. <laughs> no, it's not penis envy. It's I have to create a new term. Penis it's, fixation. It's pen. It, that's not a new term. I think it might be applicable though. You're going pretty hard on this topic. Am I? Well, I'm kind of going. I'm kind of going back and forth. <laughs> Up and down. Up and down. Side to side. It's a lot to swallow. I don't know. It's a tough one to take. I don't know. Either way, it's going to spin me right around, baby. <laughs> like a record. <laughs> this conversation degenerated quickly. This is our first <laughs> R-rated. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just basically any string of words that we said in the last five minutes, do not Google them and you will be fine. <laughs> Daddy, instead, what's Google lemon party? Safe <laughs> and harmless, like two girls, one cup. Go watch that instead. The the thing that, that used to mess with us when we were in college was lemon party. Did you ever hear about that? No, it was that. it was a it was someone created this webpage and it was lemonparty.org. And the entire page was just a picture of three dudes getting it on it was a single picture and they were all at least 70 years old and it was just like <laughs> two of them tonguing one of them on the other's uh, uh penis fixation area and it, it just it like the way the webpage loaded it would just pop up on you and you were like oh my god and then you realize and then you decided that you had to watch everything else that person ever told you for the rest of your time at school College for me involved more like Counter Strike and uh, World of Warcraft and fantasy football. <laughs> that was more See, my college. Well, experience. no, the guy, the the I had a bad influence in college. Apparently, a very <laughs> was he a Catholic I mean, priest? No, no, he was not. He he played lots of World of Warcraft, but his other interest was to <laughs> just screw with people with all the messed up, degrading, depraved stuff on the internet. I. I I I figured out that, that one of the nights when I was um, out of commission from my partying, I woke up the next day and I loaded up my my computer to go pull up some homework, and my homepage was shiteaters.com. That is not the first image you want to see when you wake up. I will <laughs> say that. Well, I mean, ever. Yes. Okay. To be fair, you uh... could get in a mood. Clearly, some people get into a mood to see that photo, and apparently they want to see more because that was just the homepage. Yeah, and, and I'm not kink shaming anybody who's into that sort of thing, but it's not. I am. A cup of tea. I am. Don't eat shit, guys. Just don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's like, fair. please don't. Do you have any idea when you go salad tossing, your your rates of infection go way up? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not a Catholic prude, but come on, let's be reasonable. At least use use protection on your face. Wear a mask. Wear a, Wear a mask. mask. There you go. Wear a mask. Put that mask with a little with a little zipper. <laughs> a phalange a tassel ooh a tassel i'm gonna tell my dad joke now we need to break this up Go for it. because you know this is gonna end up going into football i don't have a tv here where i'm at but you obviously do because i've seen you like you do, you've been side-eyeing and i've seen flashing well that's because my side. camera's up there and my screen but it's on the is side. there and my other monitor screen is there yeah i don't have what's my on, tvs in the other room right now what's on your other monitor screen um, I've got the uh, Lions vs. Chiefs like live stream, but not the game. So I do have like oh oh I got gotcha. you. Okay, so you're seeing the 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 football radio. Yes, football radio is what I'm seeing. Over yeah, I'm intentionally Perfect. not putting my fantasy football rosters up on that screen because then I would be way too. Well, distracted. then you yeah, there would be a lot of dead air. Tom, Tom, yeah, what? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, what? Sex scenes. Oh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Oh, right. Darn. Ah, damn it, Kadarius Tony. Why haven't you caught a ball yet? 
we yeah. don't need that. All right, dad jokes. What do you got? I brought what a dirty to dad joke today. Well, okay. So what? We'll okay. Oh, you did. You did. Well, I mean, your topic sexy. was sex and cinema, so I had to bring a dirty dad joke. See, now I have to dig into my brain. Jesus, who the f- serpent? Shut up, serpent. He's texting you. <laughs> no, it's just the 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 app that we have. The every so often the phone just decides to freaking explode with with. Interesting. I have it on vibrate, in in the spirit of sex scenes, and, and in the front pocket. It's always. Of his pants. It's always the other front pocket <laughs> the one with the zipper oh I'll, I'll see if i can come up with the dirty dad joke later but i'll tell the other one that i had lined up for tonight because i i don't do themes apparently you always come up with these like oh we have an article about elephants so i'm gonna tell an elephant dad joke yeah and then i'm gonna talk about how useful all the tusks are later and i'm like uh yeah i just kind of pulled something real quick because i'm unprepared it's because um, I'm a writer. You got to tie off loose ends. You have to have no. That's like, you true. Have to do that stuff. That's a good it's point. Built into my operating principles. <laughs> well, I actually I did a little um, pleasure writing uh, a couple of years ago. Actually, no, it was more than a couple of years ago because I hadn't even met her yet. It was uh, I, I tried to write just some of my thoughts down, and I I did kind of realize what writers talk about where they get into a story, and then they're like, "Well, I actually originally." had this happening but then i realized my character would never do that and i used to be one of those people who was like fuck you created the character like this is literally your story and it works right and you start getting into it and you start realizing what would happen and then you start you get this whole other side and you're like well shit well my character would actually do x now and and i did i did kind of come to grips with that so it was good i've Um, had entire short stories some of which i've published where i had the ending in mind and that was why i started writing like oh i want to write something right like you want this is what you want to get to right and i kind of worked backwards and by the time i got to the end of the story i was like oh no that's not what this character would do at all this actually should end this way and it's a whole different story that I meant to sit down and write. I've, I've had that happen multiple right. times. All right. Well, anyway, let's get to the joke. Yeah. And then we'll hear your dirt. Go for it. Or, or as my three-year-old says, dut. Dut. Um, did you hear about the fire in the shoe factory? I feel like you've heard about it, Tom. Do you want to take a take a stab before I tell you what happened at the shoe factory fire? I feel like I should take a stab at this, but nothing is clicking mm-hmm. in my head. Well, they lost a lot of souls that day. Oh. It's a good one. Yeah, it was terrible. That's about the time tragic. I bought. That's about the time I bought shoes from a drug dealer. No, no, you didn't tell me. I, what, I don't what know what he laced those things with, but I was tripping all day. <laughs> you were tripping. And that had wasn't really, even my dad joke. Had you really tied up? <laughs> uh anytime you can work laced and tripping into a shoe joke, it just. Feels I was bad. gonna say that's, that's a little a bit. T- that's a little bit touchy for some people nowadays. Yeah, well, the worst injury I ever took in my life was from a guy whose buddy laced his marijuana joint with PCP just for funsies. I remember you were telling me about that. I was going to say, yeah, hey, you were a cop during the time. Good luck. Good job on that war on drugs. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Well, okay, so I I was hearing that they, 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 as if I'm not talking to one of them, um, police in general did a pretty good job of getting rid of meth for a long time and now it's kind of like coming back and, and I, at least my very very cursory article reviewing about it was that it was not like cyclical where people were just like okay i'm done with meth now i'm gonna go to like heroin or something it was actually a, a legit crackdown that that did sort of make a difference and then you know you got rid of it so guess what attention goes to something else and then eventually it comes back yeah meth's one of those real yeah. bad drugs the big problem with meth actually was was the way it was manufactured and you know, it's, it's a very volatile process. And we'd had Boom. people like in, in Newport News, somebody blew up multiple rooms in a Motel 6 
because he was making his meth in the bathroom of the Motel 6. But and it turned out the bathroom fan was not strong enough ventilation. So the fumes got to something that sparked. <laughs> you and, don't say. Yeah, go figure, right? <sighs> and he literally Man. blew up multiple rooms in a Motel 6. And people just, just died in their beds sleeping because somebody was making meth in a hotel room. Like So messed up. This is why you can't tell my mother things like this. Because she's like the hypochondriac, worrywart personality. And then she was an ER doctor. So if she saw a trampoline, she knew how many kids like in, in Ohio died yeah. from trampoline accidents that year because she yeah. saw them. And oh, sure, it's like two out of whatever, 5,700,000 trampolines, but not my kid. Not today, Satan. Well, not today, Satan. Now, if you're in one of those lines of work, like that's that's a difficult decision you have to make on a daily basis. You how much do you tell day. your family and your kids? Like how much do you talk about it? It's I mean, hard. stupid. It, it is. I mean, stupid story. I used to work at Chase and people would be like, man, all these customers keep getting their direct deposit rejected. And I said, well, there are 60 million households in Chase and you're just seeing all the problem calls. So when you see 10 of these, it's not everybody, not at all. These are just the people that have problems. So I, I get it from her perspective. When you see two kids like have broken necks or trampolines in three months, yeah. what's your knee jerk reaction? Trampolines are dangerous. I've seen it twice now, you know, even though she left, I went to the neighbor's trampoline. I learned to backflip. I regressed and started backflipping off the trampoline, hid my injury at one point because I didn't want her to know I was doing it just in case I wanted yep. to go back. <laughs> yep, yep. Wear long pants. <laughs> that bruise just, you can limp the rest of the way but when your mom coming, straighten up. Act natural. Act cool, bro. You, you bite down on the leather <laughs> right, strap and you suck right. it up. <laughs> I remember my mom like straight up not telling her anything about Iraq. Like I, I just wouldn't tell her anything as far as she knew. The whole time I was out there, no, we're just sitting in Kuwait. Like I, I'm just in Kuwait. I've never just been to out. Iraq. Where I, I think I told her at one point we we're like 50 miles away from anything interesting. Not realizing that the camp I was sitting at when I wrote that particular letter wasn't Kuwait, but it was only like a mile and a half away from the border. Like <laughs> the 50 miles part would have made no sense if she ever did any research. Like just legitimately didn't tell her any stories, and then but she later, wouldn't want to. She right, wouldn't want right. to. She she wanted to hear. Yeah, and, know, and down yeah. the road, you know, when I started writing short stories and I started doing things and publishing stories about it, uh, one that I published in Collateral Journal a few years ago was very explicit. It was sort of a, a tell-all in a lot of different things. And you know, when you publish something, your mom's going to find it. She's going to be excited for you. The big question for her was like, how much of this is real? You know, and then I'm at a crossroads. Like, well, now what do I do? It's been 20 years. What do I tell her? Law enforcement was the same way. You know, if I go to a, if I go to someone's scene and it's a grisly suicide, I'm not going to go home and describe it to my wife in detail. I'm going to tell her I had a rough night. But that's where a lot of those problems come through is, you know, not that then I'm not talking to my wife. Then I'm compartmentalizing and I'm not getting stuff off my mm -hmm. chest and I'm keeping secrets from my wife. And that, you know, historically doesn't go well for marriages. So you want to share some things with your spouse, but what can you share? And, you know, you don't want to traumatize them. And it's when you're in those, those lines of work, it's a real struggle just determining what you're going to tell your family, how much you're going to share. Um, and it, part of it's protecting them, you know, and a part of it's just sort of protecting yourself. But that's a, a regular topic my therapist and I have talked about over the last few months. She's well, in real talk. Why do you feel the need to protect people from things? Why not just tell them and let them deal with it, have faith they can handle it? And I'm like, yeah, it's not how it works for me. I mean, I kind of like Tom a little bit. I mean, I don't think he's perfect. He's wearing a dolphin's hat right now. So, you know, we all have our crosses to bear, but you should plug some of your writing on this at some point. It's, it's exceedingly good. I mean, Thank you. I as, as the son of a high school English teacher, 
<laughs> no, really. That was that was one of my crosses to bear when I was younger. You know how hard it is to go through grade school and high school with a high school English teacher as a parent? It's abysmal. The, sure. You can't. Oh, you have a paper? Let me read it before, I mean, that's what my before kids you turn. You know, right. And I, I was and, an English teacher for two years. So it's my kids are going to go yeah, through this. My dad would mark the shit out of it. But you know what? I got to the SAT and I got perfect grammar and syntax. Apparently, I can't critically read, though. That's beside <laughs> the point. But but I can tell you that that semicolon is wrong, motherfucker. <laughs> maybe if you hadn't been drunk during your SATs, maybe it would have gone better there. No, I wasn't. Whole other story. I did not drink until I was eighteen, nineteen, maybe. I, I was. You I were gonna say eight. Eight. <laughs> you said. Eight. I waited. I waited Teen. a long time. Eight whole years. Third grade was amazing. No, the <laughs> I had a nipple on that beer bottle, and it was great. People called me monkey. I had no idea that it was a premonition. No, I, I, I was I was that kid. I was that kid in college, mind you. Never drank before. I mean, I'm asking people a couple of weeks into college. I'm like, so what's it like being drunk? Is it like you're looking out of your own body and you can't control what's happening? And you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Or is it or do you not remember anything? Or And, and the answer I got was you kind of just have to experience it. Yeah. You, you can't really describe it to someone who doesn't know it. But when I finally said, hey, guys, I want to play beer pong, there was this whole like impromptu huddle. And they're all sitting there going, okay, do we give him like total shit right now? So that the <laughs> so that the next thing he drinks tastes comparatively amazing? Or do we give him something really good right now so we don't scare him away? Um, they opted for the former. So I got skunked PBR Ooh. for beer pong. And and it was one it's guy was like beer. Right. Well, okay, so like I went through a phase where PBR was good because it's good crazy cheap you know and, and if you get it on draft it's like it's like a step above natty light but the kid was like oh this is perfect i've had this case of pbr sitting in my room you know whatever it was for the last six weeks and he's like and actually it's Reagan it's, administration i i've been i've been deliberately avoiding it because it sits in the sun every evening because like <laughs> how could that possibly go wrong it didn't because i found out i was very good at beer pong <laughs> nice so yeah that was a elite athlete some like myself have a skill set that translates from beer pong to cornhole it all depends on it's all about throwing bags and holes balls and holes well, there's a deadpool reference there or just a sex scenes reference that's too. that's too. tying it back in yeah uh, red I, solo I cup I will fill you up or doug will <laughs> doug will <laughs> uh, i turned 21 in the middle of the desert <laughs> Right. And, uh, th- there was no alcohol for us there. And I had never been drunk before I was 21. So um, my guys got me a Dr. Pepper. Like there was a civilian contractor with us. And he literally drove like an hour and a half to two hours to the next like reasonably sized town to get me a soda and came back with a Dr. Pepper. And that was what I had on my 21st birthday. But when I got back to the States, everybody was like lined up like, oh, Gamash has never been drunk. We're going to make up for lost time. We're going to get this guy. And everyone's Gamash. Yeah. Oh, that made you a little less cool. That's all right. I thought it was Gamash. No, no, that would be an awful name. Ugh. See, it's, this it's, is another... It's, it like rhymes with ganache because I'm smooth and sweet. No, Gamish. But the Gamish. <laughs> Gamchi. I've heard it all. Right. Oh, Gamchi. Yeah, that's good. 
Yamchi. They add letters to my name, Gamarge, Gamaggio, because right. I grew up in an Italian town, and I'm not Italian. Oh, but everybody like yeah, tried to make right. my name Italian. So what you'd hear is on the tackle number sixty four, Thomas Gamaggio. Gamachino. Yeah, you hear my mom <laughs> screaming over the crowd. It's Gamash. You know, just that that was my whole high school life. Uh, that's but yeah, funny. the first time I went out with the guys, and they were like, "Oh, you haven't been drunk? We're going to rectify this." I didn't know what I was doing. They got a bottle of rum, and they were like, we're going to start you off with rum. You're going to be a pirate. That doesn't sound so bad. All right, let, let's do this. And between the four of us, we killed a bottle of rum. I, I drank about half of it, um, as, as was proper. is my first time, so whatever. <sighs> and we, we chased it with Corona. But what I didn't realize, because <laughs> I, did, I honestly just didn't know better, is that Bacardi 151 is not just rum. Like the 151 is an important part of that label, and that's what I had been drinking all night and didn't know it. So we went out to a nightclub where they continued to buy me shots of 151, telling me it was just rum. This is what rum is. It's just rum. And I continued to throw back shots of 151. And I remember very little about that night. I remember a Puerto Rican woman coming up and hitting on me in Spanish and a buddy of mine who speaks Spanish going, dude, you need to go home with her. That's going to be one. You need to do this. And I was like, I don't feel so good. And the next thing I remember (laughs) is sitting outside on the curb, throwing up between my knees then standing up and moving over like three steps and then throwing up again and like repeating that process all the way down the block. I woke up the next morning in one of my very good friend's girlfriend's apartment on her couch in my boxers with no memory going, what did I do? And then he walked out of her bedroom and was like, hey, Who did man, I we do? had fun. <laughs> so it turns out she just came and got us and dragged our asses upstairs. But yeah, that was that was a scary first. At least you remember stuff, man. Yeah, not much. I remember the next day. Yeah, that's it's funny that you mentioned Corona. My my actual twenty first started with a case of Corona, and yeah, that was a brownout night because I already you know had one or two blackouts. I, I a case usually would do that to you, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't all me, but I I, I was very quick to the the first the first night I I drank. I got pretty loopy, but remember most of it. The second night I drank was when I really discovered the power of the alcohols because I uh. I was trying, I came back from a late class and everyone was starting the the Friday night party. So I thought, okay, I'm going to catch up. So I drank like three or four beers right away, like super quick. And then went to join the party and realized an hour later that, that they were all hitting me. And instead of being like, I should stop because it was only my second time. Oh, good. Now I'm feeling like everybody else. Instead of cutting yourself off, you went all in. Mm. Yeah, I, there were multiple times the next day where people were like, Shuda, do you remember when you and like one of them was filled up the trash can with water and dumped it on Dip's head, who, by the way, Dip, that nickname was short for dipshit. So if that tells you anything about this guy, when he got drunk, he, well, no, he, he loved it. He leaned into it. He was the guy who, when he got drunk, he would grab the vacuum cleaner and barge into people's rooms at one thirty, And he used to call it the hurricane. <laughs> he would just, sorry guys, just cleaning. And you know, if you saw dip drinking, you were like, I'm locking my door tonight. Don't let him in. You'll hear him knocking. Don't let him in. But yeah. I, and I would go, I didn't do that. And then cell phone video, because it was that time. And I would watch this video and be like, holy shit, I did that. I can't tell you how many times they caught me on video hugging somebody and then falling over and bringing them to the ground with me. Oh, Oh. come on. Supreme athletes like yourself. Peak performance. (laughs) Elite level athleticism. Elite level athleticism. Oh, my God. I could have made 
high school football, but I didn't. High school football was the best. I, I did have, I did play a lot of tennis growing up. So that's a whole, I, I did learn a lot from that, but I, I did get, I was, I was the kid that was being approached by all the division three coaches, you know, where they're not mostly, they're mostly, they're not that good, but they're all right. And they're like, you know, what's your GPA? Oh, good. It's above a 2.8. We could probably find an academic scholarship for you somewhere because we couldn't do sports scholarships. And that was my first introduction to, oh, wow, this shit is so corrupt. I don't even know where to begin when the division three coaches are like, please, dear God, just have like room, have a C average. And that's a whole different conversation right there. That's a whole topic. I know. And I'm behind on that too. We haven't even done your dad joke yet. Uh, We haven't. And we probably should. And I should probably wrap it up. Um, It's already getting a little late. No, I want to watch the fourth. No, we must, we must talk for another, another five hours. I have the meeting of all meetings tomorrow and I am wholly unprepared for it. So I have to get squared away for that. Oh, really? Okay. Well then, yeah, let's tell your dirty joke and then we'll talk for five or 37 more minutes. Then we'll go (laughs) one or the other. (laughs) What do you call? There's no middle. What do you call a masturbating cow? (laughs) You're the one who wanted to talk about sex and cinema. I, I had to get a sex dad joke. I mean, are you videotaping masturbating cows? No, I'm pretty sure I'd go to jail for that. I don't know. I, I want to say something about blowvine. No, no, that would be but... way too crude. Beef <laughs> stroganoff. Of course. <sighs> if you would give me enough time, like the cow, I would have got there. Yeah, I think the cow did get there. Milk it, baby. <laughs> Not a milk cow. <laughs> well, that's a bunch of bull. It <laughs> is a bunch of bull. <laughs> You're just trying to steer the joke now. Oh, I am. I like that you came on hot at the end there. It makes me happy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We're going to fix all of this in editing. Hopefully this is not going not to be all of it. R-rated no. cast. Give or take. Give or take. PG-13 is what we're going to shoot for on this one. Can we make a new rating system? We should do that for this podcast. We should tell people that it's rated PG-19. I think that's actually two years later than you'd have to be to see a rated R movie. I think that's actually worse than rated R PG-19 because you can see rated R at 17, I think, right? I think you might be right. So we'll PG-19 it... is actually worse than rated R. Let's not invent that, please. We'll call it RX. <laughs> R Because it's kind of X, but kind of R, and then it'll really confuse the shit out of people. How about r light? R0. Everything is a zero. R0. Zero. <laughs> Welcome to Patient Zero Podcast. <laughs> Where we infect you. Speaking That's of sex right. We're scenes. You with humor and dad jokes. It's okay. Maybe we can come up with an acronym for STD. Let's Super not. talking no. dads. Let's please not. That's no, 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 no. Let's Silly dad. talking dads. Silly testicular discrepancies. <laughs> Once Doug gets that little knob creaking and he's, he's all about the testicles and the dong. and the. It's a big knob. It's not a little knob. Yeah, but you're mixing it with like Diet Coke. So does it really count? With cherry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks for listening. We're going to kill the recording here and we will chat with you Death. in episode eight. Maybe. Eight. I think it's going to be eight next goodness. time. Yeah, we're killing it. I feel accomplished. You should. You should feel Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs>